Good morning. As always, it's a tremendous blessing to be able to worship with the brethren here at Sunny Slope. I've met many of you, and over the years, you know, as we've gone throughout different parts of the country and studied the gospel with different people who were yearning for something other than what they had been living their lives for. It all comes down to the core point that Jesus makes time and again. Follow me. Jesus wants us to be his followers. Not anyone else, nor any other teaching or anything else. And in the scripture reading this morning, we see Jesus calling Four apostles, specifically in the text. You got uh, Peter, and you got Andrew, and you got James and John. They're out there. They've probably just put in a full night of, of work, and they're mending their nets, getting ready for the next night. But as you go throughout the text, you also notice that uh, many others were following him. Many other people. We're following him. And as you go throughout the scriptures, this is kind of a, a, a flowing uh, example time and time again. Wherever Jesus went, and we're going to look at some of these. As he was going about, as he was healing people and, and forgiving sins, he was telling people, you follow me. But when we look at the apostles... We see that the apostles, they weren't any different than you or I. They were common, everyday people. They lived their lives in the physical realm. They dealt with physical struggles. They weren't perfect. They all had their flaws. They had, they had their struggles with their own sins. And they even followed Jesus without completely understanding what they were doing. They didn't always agree with him. I'm reminded of one particular moment when, when Jesus just had informed the apostles that he was going to go and he was going to die. And Peter, if you remember, said, oh no, Lord. May it never be. That, that'll never happen. And Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. Peter wasn't thinking about the will of God. Peter wasn't thinking the way that God's will worked. Do you think Jesus always knew that the apostles weren't really following him for the exact reasons they needed to? I see some head shaking. Absolutely. I believe that Jesus knew 100%. And yet he allowed them to follow. Even for the wrong reasons. This morning in this lesson, I want us to truly see what Jesus means. Because we, we see it over and over again throughout the scriptures. What he means by saying, follow me. Because as you look out in the world, there are clearly misunderstandings about what Jesus means. 
And so specifically, we're going to look at a few of those. The first one I want us to look at is that when Jesus says, follow me, he means follow me from where you are. It has to start somewhere. In spite of all their flaws, in spite of their lack of understanding, in spite of their lack of knowledge, or even some questionable motives, the apostles, Jesus chose them. Follow me. Peter, again, the, the oftentimes I, I, I have big mouth. He seems to be the, the very first guy. When, when, when something's going on, he's the first guy that opens his mouth and sticks his other foot in, right? He's that guy. He's the guy that said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out. And I'll walk on the water. He's the same guy. That when they're in the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is about to be betrayed and arrested. Who took out his sword. And as the scripture indicates cut off the the ear of Malchus. Hmm. Very, I don't know if I'd call him arrogant. But very prideful, very boastful. And the same as James and John. James and John known as the sons of thunder. Very bold. Remember the text where their mom, their mother said, Jesus, when you get to your kingdom, I want you to have both of my sons to the right and to the left of you. Remember what Jesus said? You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. And then, of course, Judas. And these are just a handful of some of these individuals. But what I want us to see is that they're everyday normal people. They go through the same things that we go through. Maybe they had the same questions that we have. I can remember growing up. I wasn't a a good person or I wasn't a Christian or I wasn't a... um, I didn't always obey my parents like I should have. You hear people say, well, I, I, I can't become a Christian. I've done too many things that are bad. I've, done, I've committed too many sins. Or, my favorite, I've got too many things that I'm not willing to give up. Too many habits. Or even... The cost is too great. He just wants too much. But Jesus took the apostles as they were. And guess what? He'll do the same for us. Look with me over to the book of Matthew. And we're going to be in Matthew a lot today. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to begin reading... And verse 9. This one's not up there. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he rose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. 
And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus says, follow me to Matthew. And then he goes to the house of Matthew. And there are other tax collectors there and sinners. Were the tax collectors very well liked? Are they today? (laughs) No. I mean, if you think about it, who were they collecting taxes for? They were collecting taxes from the Roman or for the Roman government for Caesar. And so here you've got Levi or Matthew, who is a Jew, collecting money from his own people to give to the Gentiles, the Roman government. And so they were widely disliked. And so here you have Jesus sitting at the table. He's in the house with tax collectors and sinners. And he's got his disciples there. And the Pharisees, you notice how they're always around when Jesus is doing things? They're always there. They're following him. They're listening listening to him. They're watching him. They're waiting for him to do something. Ah, we got him. Jesus makes the same Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. What's he saying? It's only those that realize they are sick that will even come to him. The Pharisees are clearly sick. The Pharisees clearly need help, but they refuse to acknowledge it. So here we have these tax collectors, these sinners coming to the Savior, the Messiah, the the one who will forgive sins of the entire world. Here we have these tax collectors, these sinners, those that are beaten down by the public, those that are looked down upon by all their peers and all their own countrymen. Why are they coming to Jesus? Because they understand That Jesus forgives. They understand that Jesus loves them. They're so beaten down by everyone. They rush to the one who will. Accept them. We have to understand that we come to Jesus. To be healed. Not because we are healed. We come to Jesus. We follow him. From where we are. Now that doesn't mean that after we become a Christian. After we follow him. That we don't have to do some changing in our life. I want us to look over the book of John. John chapter 14. And this is the passage where Jesus tells the apostles. Hey I'm going to go. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you're going to come and you're going to be there with me. I want us to pick up at verse 5. And notice what Thomas says. 
Thomas responds to Jesus' statement, verse 4, And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you were going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Look at Philip, verse 8. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to give his life for the sins of the whole entire world. The men who have been with him every step of the way. Listening. Learning. Watching. All the things that Jesus is doing. Here they are. And they still were falling short. Jesus says, I've been with you. You've been watching me and you still don't know? I think Jesus expected that they had grown, they would grow. As a matter of fact, looking over at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, we, we also see there that, you know, as, as, ba- as we come into this world as, as babes, we grow up. We don't stay babies. That's easy, right? But for those of the Hebrews, the writer writes to them to say, hey, you know what? You can't go back to the way of Judaism after coming to Christ. Look at verse 12, Hebrews chapter 5. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The Hebrew writer says, logically and naturally, you should be moving forward, not backwards. I mean, what happens if one of our children, as, they, as they're growing up, all of a sudden starts reverting back to some childish behaviors that they had let go? Would we be alarmed? Yeah. Doctor would say, oh, something's not right. We would take him to the best specialist. We'd do everything that we could just to make sure. That we could help them. We're expected to grow. Now Jesus when he says follow me from where, from where you are. Doesn't say first I want you to go. And I want you to get everything together. I want you to take care of all the sins in your life. I mean could you imagine him doing that to the woman at the well? Or how about uh, the, the woman that they caught in the very act of adultery. And they're about to stone. Jesus, if Jesus says, oh, just go home, you know, fix whatever it is and come back. No. 
Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. The change occurs after we make the choice. After we go through. So Jesus says, follow me from where you are. That's where you need to start. Now, the second meaning of when Jesus says, follow me. Jesus is talking about, hey, I am number one priority. I want you to follow me instead of anyone else. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Now, logic tells us that the voice of Jesus was not the only thing that had the disciples' attention. The voice, Jesus, Jesus uh, surely had their attention, but when you look at all the things that are in the world, the very things that we struggle with at times, there are lots of things that we could follow after in life. You know, for some, it's power, prestige, it's wealth, it's accumulation of things, it's success, it's pleasures, it's ease. All these things are screaming what? Follow me. Search for me. But did you notice what Jesus said? Look over Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at three passages from the book of Matthew. All of them pointing to what Jesus says he wants us to do. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with all his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Jesus says, follow me instead of the world. Instead of the the things that glitter, instead of all the things that we amass in our lives. He says, what profit is it? What gain is it to us if we have all the successes and all the things of our heart and yet we, in the end, lose the thing that's most precious and valuable, our soul? Follow me instead of the world. Turn over chapter 15, Matthew. Verse 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they did not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. 
then he need not honor his father and mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. You know, as humans, as we go throughout life, we pick up lots of different traditions, whether it's family traditions, whether it's traditions of humanity. <clears throat> this is one of those things Jesus points out about the Pharisees. They were real quick to put their traditions above the commandment of God. And we see it over and over and over again. Several examples. This is one specific example. If you go all the way back to the old law. And it's still in effect today. Honor your father and mother. We're to take care of them. We're to honor them. And yet the Pharisee says. Well if, if anyone would say. You know what. I give all my money to God. Whatever I have is his. That lets me loose of that command. Does that make any sense? To them it did. But God, uh, Jesus says here, and I like, I think it's the New American Standard says, you have invalidated the word of God. You have taken the power away from God's word. Jesus says, follow me instead of traditions. The last one, Matthew chapter 10, at least for this point. Verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Follow me instead of family. This is a hard one. All of these are particularly hard, at least for one reason or another. We find ourselves going after or doing one thing. But what it all boils down to is Jesus is the priority. God is the priority. It doesn't mean that we don't love our families. It doesn't mean that we don't love our mother, our father, our sister, our brother, and then on and so forth. So what does Jesus want? He wants us to follow him. He wants us to follow him instead of anything or anyone else. He's number one. He's the one that gets all the glory. What does Jesus mean by follow me? Follow me to my destination to where I am going we just talked about what the world what the world in, in, um, entices us with when we look at the world and we look at all the things that glitter and all the wants and all the needs and all the successes that we have to have but where do they take us I'm reminded of 
several different uh, Hallmark movies or different types of movies that have kind of a common theme when, you know, there's, at times there's always the guy who is career driven or he's, he's driven by that success and, you know, it's kind of a dog-eat-dog world and you've got to step on everyone to get to the top. And then there he is in his penthouse with no one else. His wife, his children, his family, all gone. Not saying that these things are not right. As I believe God and the Bible tells us that they themselves are not right. It's when we prioritize them. When we make them the chief push of what we live for, that's when they become the problem. When we look at the world, there are different types of philosophies. One, I know you'll know. If it feels good, do it, right? We live in what I call the Burger King society, where we can have it our own way. Choose the church of your choice. You don't like what they teach, you can go over here and find what they teach. And it goes all throughout our lives. In 1 John chapter 2, John tells us or gives us an idea of, of all this type of worldly thinking takes us. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The choice is out there. We can make the choice. We can choose to go after the ways of the world. Or we can choose to have something a little more permanent. Something that is abiding. The struggle, and that's what we'll, we're going to talk about now, is where is Jesus taking us? Now we know the end result, which we'll get to in a moment. But as we're living our lives here, as we wake up every morning and take a breath of fresh air, and we go out from our homes, we go to our jobs, or we go about our daily business. What is all that about? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 24? He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I don't know if you've ever sat down and really looked at what he's requiring there. 
You know, we like to look at it and we say, you know what? Jesus says, follow me. Yeah, sounds like a good plan. Peter, I'll follow you, Lord, wherever you go. Not realizing the cost. What does it mean? When we talk about the cost, notice he says, whoever desires. It has to be a desire. It has to be a a want. We get to decide. It's our call. No one can make the call for us. Not the preacher, not the elders, not the pastor in the other church or the priest or whoever the world goes to. Buddha. We have to choose who we're going to give our lives to. We have to choose who we're going to follow. He says we have to deny ourselves. What does that mean? How does someone even begin to know what it means to deny ourselves? Well, going back to those those very uh, points that I made just a little while ago of following other things, the things that glitter, the things that we want, the things that we desire. We have to change our attitude. We have to change our focus. Our attitude, our mindset can no longer be, hey, it's what I want. That's what pleases me. That's what suits me. We have to say no to the desires and prioritize putting Jesus first. Then we get to the next stage. Jesus says there, what do we do? We've got to take up our cross. I don't know about you, but I've never seen in the scriptures where the cross is something positive. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said, all who desire to live godly, well, now that was Paul, in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. It ain't all sunshine and rainbows. There are going to be struggles. The cross is an instrument of death. You don't get put on the cross and walk away from it. No one has. You get put on the cross and you stop breathing. You suffocate. We have to make a daily determination that we're going to sacrifice ourselves in what he wants. As you can see, these little things, these little steps throughout this desire, deny self, take up cross, those are all, each one, it gets more and more challenging as you go. We have to have the mindset of when my feet hit the ground, Lord, I'm, I'm living for you every day. One day at a time. And then he says, follow me. Some are willing to do the first two, definitely. But the last two, taking up cross, daily living, daily sacrificing. Jesus says, talk is cheap. It's time to act. Follow me means to abandon 
all agendas, all misunderstandings. We teach what he taught. We act like he acted. Where does Jesus take us? Well, as we live life, yep, it takes us to a life that could result in suffering. Whenever we go to another country and we preach the gospel, we have to have in our mindset a complete control is God's because there are so many things that happen throughout our trips that, it, that becomes so frustrating or even so life-threatening. That if we thought about that only all the time, we'd never go. And so we focus on the word of God. We focus on his message. And we follow him. And, of course, what everyone waits for. Eternity with him. That's where Jesus wants us to follow him. He, the, the scripture says he is the author of eternal salvation. That's where it began. In John chapter 14, going back there. I mean, what it must have been to sit there and to listen to Jesus as he spoke. John 14, verse 1, he says, Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. God had a plan from day one. God had a plan. You know, we, all, we often go back to the garden. We often see how, you know, Adam and Eve were there. They had everything provided. It was paradise. They had it all. And on top of that, they had fellowship with God. He walked among them in the garden. Remember the text says, in the cool of the day. How beautiful it must have been. And then sin happened. Sin, as we know, separates us from God. God can have nothing to do with it. God is light and him is no darkness. Did God know that man would sin? He knew that he was going to have to send his son. So from the beginning, from the garden, it was God's plan to send his son, that his son would go to the cross, that he would die a cruel, cruel death at the hands of man, and that in that death, there would be victory. Because death could not keep him. And he resurrected from the grave. He walked, he talked, he lived 
on the earth after that. Until the day he ascended. And so we're talking about way before this ever happened that Jesus is saying, this is what's going to take place, fellas. I'm not going to be with you much longer. But I want you to have courage. I want you to take comfort in the fact that where I'm going, you're going to be there too. We're going to see each other again. So when Jesus says, follow me, it's not just a, just a flippant call for us just to live our lives and believe in God. And it's a life-altering change. One that you will never regret as you look back. The world screams, follow me to immediate gratification. But Jesus says, follow me to future rewards. And so the invitation is very simple. Jesus asked us to follow him. Are we? Are we doing his will? Are we doing the things that he asked? Do we have the commitment level that he requires? Well, you know what? We all fall short, right? We all fall on our faces. That's why I believe John said, walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus' son will continually cleanse us of all sin. Because as we live our lives as Christians, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean we're going to be sinless. Doesn't mean that we have all the answers and know exactly everything we need to do because we fall. I'd like to tell you it gets easier. And it does. The more we struggle with it, you know, Paul tells us that as we struggle with our sins, what happens? We get endurance to keep going. But not only that, we get knowledge to help others to go through who are going through similar sins. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling in your Christian walk. You're struggling with your faith or you're struggling with uh, being willing to go to the distance and to obey him and do whatever he says. You can respond. Maybe you're here and you've not put him on in baptism. Maybe you've just not decided to make Jesus your Lord and master. To follow him wherever he leads. Whatever the need is, now's the time to come while we stand and sing the song of invitation.